0: welcome to dangerously likely i'm caleb and i'm terrell and today we are dangerously likely to ask the question does the u.s speak conservative
1: let's go above the fall with this week's headlines So this week, Stacey Abrams announced her
0: candidacy officially for governor of the state of Georgia (laughs) after running against Republican Brian Kemp and losing by only 55,000 votes in 2018 in a race that many felt was played unfairly by Kemp. Abrams was a major figure in flipping Georgia blue last year. If Stacey Abrams wins the governorship, she would not only be the first black woman governor in Georgia, but also the first black woman in any state. Terrell, what's your reaction?
1: Oh right, because DC is not a state. Um, why is there a reaction? We all knew this was coming. Who's are we surprised? Are we supposed (laughs) to be like, oh my god, like we all knew this was coming? No, but I mean, I'm excited about it. We'll see if she's able to manage a campaign and organize the same way she did for the governor, not the governor, um, for the Senate seats. Also, we'll see if she can even hold the Senate seats because that's asking
0: a lot of one person. Testing a lot of one person, but it's not just her. Obviously, she has a whole organization for yeah. this and I think a pretty good infrastructure. So I think I think even if the uh, midterms don't go super well for senators specifically, she might have a, a good fighting chance. I mean, she was pretty close the last time. True. And the wins weren't necessarily in her favor when she
1: ran three years ago. And she doesn't have to worry about her opponent being the secretary of state who can just purge the voting rolls right before the election. Exactly. Also, she has the benefit that the current secretary of state is in bad graces with the Republican Party, so it's less likely to do them favor. Um, And also has a (laughs) lot of eyes on him because of the whole Trump nonsense and just like him and Kemp haven't gotten along. So, I mean, I think things are great and, and that's awesome, but I'm just not surprised. So I have no reason oh, to I, be like, Oh my God. Yay. Like I'm not surprised anything, either, but I don't know. It felt
0: like decent news. And I felt
1: like good news this week. We'll see. It. I have the same contention here as I do with Beto Rourke in mm. Texas of, I I think Stacey Abrams is great. And she's shown the I ability. Like more than Beto. She's shown the ability to mobilize <laughs> in Georgia But she's also very much a national figure, and I Mm -hmm. can see that playing against her because the Democrats love running national figures and not actually caring about the state that they're in. So, um, Well, that's fair, but I I, I think that Stacey
0: does have a unique – she has a unique kind of brand as both a national figure but also someone who cares very deeply about Georgia. I mean, she's been in Georgia kind of rallying the troops for the last decade at least. We shall see. So yeah, we'll see. Mm. It, it feels like it feels like if there's a time it might be, it might be it for her, but obviously the prediction business is tough and I don't think we want to be in that.
1: You say this every time and then you become a Nate silver. <laughs> yeah. So this graph tells me that she's probably going to win. <laughs> you mean that California's going to vote to recall Gavin Newsom? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> let's go around the world in under a minute. Don't comment. After 400 years of British rule, Tuesday, November 30th, marks the first day um, for Barbados to be a newly minted republic. Sandra Mason, who served in their parliament, was sworn in as the nation's first president. Shout out to our females. Um, and I think this is just really cool and awesome. Um Rihanna was recognized as a national hero for the country. So, oh, cool. Cool things. Josephine Baker becomes the first black woman to receive France's highest honor by being inducted into the Paton. Um, President Emmanuel Macron said it best. Baker was a war hero, fighter, dancer, singer, a black woman defending black people, but first of all, a woman defending humankind. And lastly, um Putin draws a red line in Ukraine warning warning NATO deployment um of troops or weaponry will be viewed as a high escalation um worthy of a strong response from Russia
0: I just want to say like Putin Putin drawing the line of what escalation means I just think is hilarious that's all After he's already done it, anyways.
1: After he's already crossed the red line multiple times, (laughs) yeah, he's
0: already (laughs) crossed his own red line a bunch. So, (laughs) the uh, the irony.
1: (laughs) And we'll be right back. So you kind of buried the lead in the introduction, but. As always, I know our listeners love our off-the-air conversations and how they play their way into the pod. Um I I feel like this is gonna turn into a tangent, so I apologize ahead, but it'll be uh, a fun tangent. Will it? <laughs> um There's just been a lot of a lot of talk currently. Um, whether it be this newfound belief that Kamala Harris is never going to be president because the White House hates her and their floating idea of making her a Supreme Court nominee or that Pete Buttigieg <laughs> is going to be her vice president or that she doesn't do anything whatsoever. And then you have all of the conversation about critical race theory. Da, 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 da. I feel as though the way our media, the way that our country is functioning right now, we are a nonstop in um, our like. Bandstand, I feel like every time you listen to or turn on something, you're hearing the Republican talking points being brought into mainstream media becoming just the new norm of this now assumption that Kamala Harris is never visible. She's not doing her job, which I would like to point out in all the years of the white man stood in that role, no one gave a damn what <laughs> the Vice President was doing except for when Trump was in the hospital and people were trying to figure out if Mike Pence was president, no one gave a damn what the vice president did. Mind you, this, this individual has traveled Europe already has traveled through Asia, has been to the border after again, a Republican talking point came up that she doesn't have any authority. Yeah. Yeah. We the border too. Like has no authority to deal with immigration because she's never been to the border. So she doesn't understand the, the situation happening with I just are we are we just stuck now in this space <laughs> I have to pose a question to you because I'll just go on a tangent are we stuck in this space now where everything is just something that a radical Republican representative says that then gets picked up and taken at face value like yes. is that where we're at
0: yes and this is why, well, there's probably a lot of reasons why but the but reason. one of the issues with the media and how they form narratives is they have this addiction of both sides and things mm-hmm. um, which basically means, okay, yeah, so let's actually, let's take January six as an example. Mm. So you have obviously this terrible, terrible thing that happened took place at the capitol where a bunch of Trump supporters, after a trump rally. Went and literally tried to like kill some Congress people. We're lucky that that didn't happen. Just a casual um, Tuesday, just casual Tuesday, barging into the Capitol. You know all this crazy shit and like, yeah, like watching it in real time, like it was absolutely insane. But we just don't talk about it the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about it as if like. Republicans have a point and their thoughts should be heard, especially ones that helped the insurrectionists. And it's frustrating. Media does this because because then the Republican Party cries foul. And, you know, at the end of the day, we have to realize that media and corporations, we can't trust them to always do the right thing because they're looking for profit. And some of their viewers might be people who agree with this Republican talking point and like even i don't know like I'm, I'm thinking specifically cnn msnbc i don't really watch that much i i don't know i don't really watch i actually don't watch these these things as much but like i mean you can see it in the written ones and stuff it's just like it's like the media takes take some of these talking points even if they're batshit insane seriously i think you were telling me the other day in a conversation um how do you say her name? Is it Lauren Bobert? Yep, from Colorado, the representative that that sure. decided to grossly kind of accuse Ilhan Omar, um, who's a representative from Minnesota, I believe, mm-hmm. um, who's Muslim, and uh, accuse her of being a terrorist and kind of helping out terrorists trying to destroy the U.S. and stuff like to her face. There's like a story in an elevator or something that she did this, and then she kind of offered up an apology. And of course it was more of a way for her to continue like in like infuriation and stuff like that, like to continue being an absolutely terrible person and wink and nod at a certain part of the Republican base. And you said to me, cause you were watching CNN mm-hmm. that she apologized and CNN said,
1: oh, she apologized.
0: Yep. And that was
1: kind of it. It was a roundtable conversation and they mentioned like, well, she's apologized, which is something important to note here. She never apologized to representative Omar. Mm -hmm. She apologized to um, um, Americans with, of Arabic faith who might have felt offense to that and didn't apologize in a way of what I said was wrong, but essentially apologized that. And obviously she didn't say this because if she did, her media group would have lost it but she essentially was like sorry if you felt like a snowflake for what i said i'm sorry you took it that way that's how the apology came off and yeah in this roundtable conversation as there's this back and forth um i can't remember his name off the top of my head but the host of this conversation was like well she did apologize and it seems like we continue to make these off ramps if you will of well she apologized Well, the president, the former president just lied. He didn't stage a coup. He didn't bring up these pieces and have these conversation points and do all these things that led to a group literally trying to overthrow the government. He just lied. Mm -hmm. And there's a danger in that.
0: Oh, yes. No, it's like it's like, okay, if if our mainstream media that whether you like it or not, you encounter almost every day. Yeah. Even if you're not someone who follows the news all the time. But If our mainstream media is letting the spin of these events, is letting the word apology become the definition of what happened, instead of taking these matters seriously Mm -hmm. and trying to fully discuss the actual seriousness of what just happened, because members of Congress like Boebert are doing racist, vile, shitty things like that to other members of Congress and other people in the country. And oh, she apologized, so it's okay, even though we didn't actually talk about why that wasn't really an apology. Mm-hmm.
1: It, and we also <sighs> need to stop. See, I told you this is just gonna turn tangent. into a tangent. But we also need to stop this, this belief, right? Because I was gonna pose a question to you, but I think I'm just gonna jump in here. <laughs> um I still have belief and I still have faith that this isn't just the republican issue, right? Like it, maybe it's coming a lot from that, but this this feels deeper. It 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 feels like everything post 9/11 of there's still rampant xenophobia that doesn't understand the difference of religion. It doesn't understand that you can be born in this country and um be of Islamic faith, it, it doesn't understand that you can be born in this country and have a darker skin. If we're speaking frankly, but there's also this belief too that I think is playing into this danger that, well, your Bobert, your Marjorie Taylor Greens, whatever home dude is that got censured because I just don't think their names are that important anymore. They aren't. They aren't the figureheads. Like it's McCarthy. McCarthy is the leader in the House. McConnell's the leader in the Senate. Those are the people who matter. And interestingly enough... Do they? Because I don't feel like they have. Interestingly enough, an article came out just before I flew back. So I came back on Tuesday. So this had to be Saturday or Sunday. um, That those specific representatives have issued kind kind of a laundry list of expectations if McConnell wants to be speaker, say they win midterms. And it's this power that keeps getting fed into. And I hear it too on the the Democratic side of, well, there's no reason that um, Manchin and cinema should have this much voice, but all we can hear is their voice. We don't get to hear from mm-hmm. others, blah, 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 blah. There's this feeling that, and I stand by this from what was mentioned earlier, we never get over the ramifications of a Twitter president. And we never got over the ramifications of feeling like there needed to be someone who was always speaking, whether it be someone who was speaking appropriately or not, someone needed to always be a figurehead and in the process and giving us what we have. Right. So I, I question and I pose, do we need our leaders? I say this in air quotes, because I obviously don't like McConnell or um, (laughs) McCarthy, but do we need them to speak up? Not necessarily in a space that, disenvows those representatives and i'm about to play that middle ground space so bear with me but in a space that they become the point person again because i do agree with you i feel like mccarthy is a leader just in name no he's also an idiot though so eh. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean he yeah. changes a
0: story every day as much as he can but
1: he also watched what happened to paul ryan and Paul Ryan's attempt to try to silence the Tea Party that literally led to him being ousted.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: And made McCarthy speaker. So, like, there is well, context so, here. So McCarthy's the, only smart move is being able
0: to read the winds enough to stay in power.
1: Yes, but at what point do the winds become so damaging that reading them is doing more harm? <laughs> well, that's but, but literally that's, what I'm. But proposing. that's my. But that's the issue right there. You just asked what. When
0: does when does it become so damaging? Has it not already? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, look at all this stuff that's happened in less than a year. I mean, like, this is the issue: is that we're talking about this stuff like it's not a big deal anymore because that's how the media is. Oh, this is the Republican side is trying to fucking steal an election. Mm-hmm. And like, I I don't know.
1: Like, I what was your question again? <laughs> like, like you said, yes, it's enough. But when. When does our expectation as constituents, as people start to either challenge the narrative or be less complacent? Like Mm -hmm. being at home, I can't tell you the amount of times I heard, but where is Kamala? What is she doing? And had to physically refute that. Mind you, I come from an African-American home. And they're... Their trust in her, their approval of her has changed because this narrative has become so set of, well, you know, I haven't seen her in a while, but no one thinks about the fact that the reason you haven't seen her is because the media isn't picking her up and following her on her European tour. And the one time they do follow her, she makes a joke and says something in like a French accent. And people run with that of this just feels embarrassing. Why is she doing that? Like, when do we step in, I guess, is the better way of framing this. And recognize that we are all playing into these narratives and these talking points that are genuinely causing harm for the future of our democracy. Oh, God, what was I looking
0: at? It was it was either political or I think it was Politico, but it might have been the Times. Um, One of the headlines when I was doing prep for this Pod was um I don't remember the headline exactly, but it was basically like every trip that Kamala goes on is awkward, and she always gaffs. and I'm like, but she doesn't. I'm actually. like, why are we wh- why is this a story this this even it, it I don't know, we just have so much care all of a sudden for a black woman as vice president that we never had for Joe Biden when he was vice president.
1: You know what gaff got completely overlooked, and people don't talk about anymore. I don't remember. It happened this year. It actually happened not too long ago, maybe two weeks ago. What? Yeah, I don't know. The president um, met with Camilla, um, wife of Prince Charles in the UK, and apparently had gas. And <laughs> Camilla... Went, we all have fucking gas. Well, Camilla went on to tell a bunch of people of like how funny it was, this and that. It was in... Because I'm the weird person who tracks these things. It was in the news <laughs> for maybe a day. And then it disappeared. You know what came up immediately after? Kamala Harris says something in French, and it ran on Fox News channels nonstop. Well, of course for it ran narrow. three and a half days. But then it became because it ran so long on Fox News, it became a conversation that was talked about on CNN, MSNBC mm-hmm. talked about how it was a nonstarter. And then played the full clip where she's literally standing right next to President Macron and he's laughing with her because apparently there was an exchange just that they crime. had beforehand. It's just a joke. Who cares? But also it's racist. <laughs> like, why do we care about this black female vice president? Are, is the Republican Party that concerned that Kamala Harris could rebuild the Obama coalition and put them to shame for the next umpteenth years that they're already starting to stage an attack to this degree but also why are we as a country so susceptible to these messages now that we're not consciously thinking about them where we can be at a table and someone who could who should very well disagree is asking that question to family not because they care about it but because they fall into that trap i think it's because Fox
0: News is not only a media infrastructure that that Democrats don't have. It also Mm -hmm. completely influences the entire media environment of Mm -hmm. the country. So when Fox News runs a story and they hammer it so hard, then CNN and MSNBC, even if they say, quote, the right things about it, are picking it up. And suddenly, the person who kind of pays attention to news, maybe not sees it from all directions, and gets this this conservative talking point in their head from all the fucking stations. Mm-hmm. Because for some reason, we as a democratic party cannot control a narrative. And part of that is because we're bad at it. But part of that is because of the infrastructure and influence that Fox News has. I
1: was ex- like, <laughs> What were you expecting? I was going to expect something from like Well Succession has taught me blah blah blah.
0: I will say that one of the funniest parts of Succession now that you have me on it is that I oh, I also have a little tangent on that because there was some w- random weird um political article about succession in AOC. I, it was super weird.
1: But I saw that too and I didn't it track stupid. it. But anyway. it was
0: stupid. But um Succession does this funny thing where they are they're like a parody of like the Murdoch family mm-hmm. um, which owns Fox news, um, but also some other rich families and stuff. But Sinclair. in the um, um, title kind of theme music comes in, what do you call that again? The opening sequence, I guess yeah. um, they have like different scenes of different. Th- I actually, it's one of my favorite title sequence openings, but um, <laughs> every season they've had, they always show ATN, which is their parody Fox news. Um media empire and they always have like some like satirical headline on each one. And it's just so good. I I need to find an example. Like this season It's season three. It's like, I looked at the janitor or it's like, I looked at the female janitor. Now I'm facing chemical castration is the satirical. (laughs) I mean, it's the satirical um, headline on the opening sequence and, I just really appreciate those takes, but it's also kind of like, I think what makes it makes it funny for me is that like, it's sadly kind of true when you watch Fox news and stuff. And like, that's the kind of fucking headline, maybe not the headline exactly, but the story that maybe an MSNBC or CNN might pick up because, you know, everything that Fox news does has this outdo influence on everything else.
1: Except for when it doesn't serve their purpose. Right. Another example Tucker Carlson interviews, um, Ridenhouse Oh, and no, we don't don't talk about that anymore. And why don't we talk about it? Because he came out and said that he actually supports the Black Lives Matter movement and feels that people should not be unjustly prosecuted conservatives lost their mind didn't like that narrative and i forgot about it, it. it's been a week,
0: week. <laughs> well that's the problem though it's like these things like i don't necessarily think that that's a story that i care much about to be no. in the news cycle for too long but like if something like that happens in a liberal kind of thing um that isn't super conservative like fox news would still be talking about this
1: look at andrew Cromwell.
0: right but the problem is that like MSNBC and CNN don't define those narratives. And even if they wanted to make fun of this conservative thing that happened, the Kyle Rittenhouse thing that happened a lot, like they don't, Yeah, they just don't do it. And I, I don't know if that's for better or for worse, but I think my issue is when it starts playing into the hands of what the Republican party wants, mm-hmm. which it always does. We our, our entire media infrastructure, even when they don't think they are, are playing into the hands of Donald Trump and the Republicans every time they open their mouth with a new talking point, even if they switch the next day, it
1: doesn't matter. It's interesting you bring that up too, because I was looking at some of our um, former episode scripts in the lead up to this. And like I mentioned, we are still talking about Andrew Cuomo, his indiscretions, the ramifications of those. But something that we mentioned at the onset of the news that he was stepping down and the fact that New York was going to get its first female governor, Kathy Hochul, is that the narrative should not be lost that she is one, the first, go- first female governor for New York, but two, she's stepping into a mess and she's going to do her best to fix it. How much have you heard about the governor of New York since Andrew Cuomo left? Mind you, he used to take on prime time slots on CNN, MSNBC, ABC, just to give re, um, readouts about what's happening with COVID in New York. Mm-hmm. We don't get that anymore. And it again, this is still a little bit of a random, a little bit of a tangent, but it's hard to not notice that our narratives are inherently misogynistic, inherently racist, inherently focused on, like you mentioned, this middle ground but not understanding that the middle ground is excluding the majority that would move it to what would probably actually be a middle ground.
0: Yeah. We have this weird as a society, we have this weird fascination with like, not only everything you just mentioned, but um, we have this weird fascination with like <laughs> disgraced, former political popular, political people Um or even the wealthy, which I'm a little hesitant to say about that. So this is my tangent that I alluded to earlier. So there was an article in Politico that was basically titled what succession or what AOC doesn't get about succession or something mm-hmm. like that. And the point of the story was that people want to root for wealthy people. And that was the whole that I mean, I'm not true at all. I'm like, look around, like we can like a show about wealthy people, but that doesn't necessarily translate to reality. Mm -hmm. Like if I was seeing something similar to what that show is about happen in real life, I'm not rooting for them. It's funny in the show because it works. I mean, I know you're not a fan of it, or I don't even know if you've watched it, so I can't even...
1: I have. I just... I didn't buy into it, but no, I understand what you're saying.
0: Like, like there's elements of the show. I really like it. There's elements of the show that is these family-rich and powerful dynamics. Like, they don't even think about... They're so freaking rich that they don't even think about how rich they are. Mm-hmm. And one of the deals in the show is like, oh, you got to stop. the The Roy family is like the center of this. You got to stop with the private planes the private jets Mm -hmm. and there was like one of the characters in the roy family was like what no we're not going to stop using private jets like first they came for the pjs and i didn't say anything and like started that quote but like and it's like it's kind of comical right yeah and i think the dialogue's great but but in the show itself they're completely serious they're not even thinking about how rich they are yeah like i just don't think that I just, I don't agree with the notion that we as the American people root for rich and wealthy people. And that's what AOC of all people doesn't understand.
1: I think, yeah, I I, think, I would like to see a moment where Americans rooted for the rich and wealthy, because even if you go through history, that's hard to find. Like the Rockefellers have never been highlighted as a group that people were excited about. Actually, it <laughs> led to a president getting elected that literally broke up their trust, which made their empire a lot more vulnerable and a lot weaker. Like mm-hmm. you can point out more times in history where Americans rooted for the underdog, which is supposed to be our whole story of we beat this great empire. Then you can find stories that we root it for the actual victor and things of that nature.
0: I think, I think my larger point with the succession thing in AOC and whatnot is that like we have this weird feedback loop of the media holding up certain people in high regard. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't say that, that, that a lot of people necessarily think is Andrew Cuomo in someone who's great. No, (laughs) especially after this year, after all the things. Yeah. Um, but yet, the media holds him in high enough regard to still prop him up as a news story every single week, basically. And
1: same with Donald Trump. There's it, no reason we should be talking about the former former president as much as we talk about him now. Exactly. Same and, reason we shouldn't talk about Obama as much as we talk about him now. But I digress. In in,
0: and now we have this feedback loop of okay, the whole media infrastructure is talking about this rich and wealthy guy or this. Um, former governor that was uh, uh, kicked out or had to resign over sexual assault and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, you have people like us, the consumers, talk about that because everybody else is talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then you have opinion pieces going, yes, AOC's wrong about the whole country. Because what she doesn't understand is we want wealthy people and we root for them. And that's why people like the show Succession. It's like these terrible takes that really <laughs> come out of this feedback loop of media narratives. Yeah. They're feedback looping themselves is what they're doing. But we're just kind of caught in the middle of that.
1: So what are two action items to fix it? two action items to book <laughs> you know i i think that like
0: i when i say media i know that's a very general and broad term we are I, included in that yes well i know we're included in that but i guess what i'm saying is like i feel like i've taken in media that is just like it's all about profit it's the 24-hour news cycle mm-hmm. um they basically repeat the same thing over and over again in the span of days or weeks yeah. and hours and shit like that and I like it's interesting like because I used to not see it and now I do. And that's why I don't really watch like CNN or MSNBC or of course I don't really watch Fox either. But I think like that kind of media in the outdo influence that Fox has is insane. And like, I don't know what the solution is. I'm just going to say that. And I don't really have a lot of credibility of what that might be. But I feel like I've heard media and I know I'm a little biased here because I actually really like crooked media's business model but like in and, and and they're liberal so if you're not that liberal that's fine but they also have a ton of other podcasts mm-hmm. that are great but um that aren't necessarily political but but what i like about them is like they talk about the issues but since they're in a certain format you know i listen to them once or twice a week instead yep. of 24 hours, 24-7 a week. <laughs> and, and, and what that allows is it allows, it allows them as a company to move on from one thing or the next um, without talking about it too much. Mm-hmm. And since you know they've been in some of those positions in the White House in the past and in and, and democratic strategy and whatnot, I feel like they really are building um, a different kind of media that, yes, addresses some of the stuff that's going on and that we hear about but it's not this disgusting feedback loop of like we have to make money so we're gonna both sides these issues and stuff mm. like i just feel like the both sides we should we shouldn't be talking about it as both sides and i understand that sometimes that's difficult yeah. but like i think it's pretty easy when you have one colleague in congress go oh you're a terrorist because of your skin color because you're a muslim to yeah. another and then not really apologize. And yet the media takes that at face value. Oh, she apologized. Even though it's like an apology doesn't really fix what you just fucking said. Yeah.
1: And also like to clarify on that. And this might sound egregious. I think had she said you're a terrorist, which she has said before. I also think that's important well, to recognize t- here. She's called the whole she's group. She's called like The g group. Yeah. Like there are a lot of times that there could have been an intervention to stop what occurred. I think my reaction would have been different than the fact that they were allegedly on, I don't even think, I think it turned out that they were never on an elevator together, but there was an (laughs) an allegation that they were on an elevator together and a security guard walked towards um, Senator or representative Bobart. And she made a joke that, well, she doesn't have a book bag, so we should be fine. Like that is beyond egregious. It is, It's bad taste. It has no taste whatsoever. And it shows the overall decorum that is happening in that area right now. That even though you're on two sides of an aisle, there is... You have one representative who can no longer feel comfortable because Bobart has now labeled her a terrorist, made a joke about her being a suicide bomber as if that was okay and you have this other representative who's an awful human but is getting campaign finances by doing these things so mm-hmm. there is no middle and to what you were sharing like that's i think that's my my belief here is we need to stop this idea that our black and brown folk can find a middle ground with people who don't even view them as humans we need to stop believing that Our LGBTQIA plus folk can find a middle ground with a group of people who believe that they are going to hell. They are sinners and have no chance of redemption or finding marriage. We need to stop pretending like our women can find a middle ground with a group of people who are trying to tell them, well, actually, you don't have the right to have an abortion Because we want you to have kids because our population is low, but we're not going to give you any social safety to take care of that child when you have it because we don't really care about that. We care about this one bottom line. Like we need to understand that a middle ground exists when there are two sides that can come together and say we might not see eye to eye, but we can agree on one core thing. When someone doesn't believe that I myself deserve rights for X number of reasons, there is no middle ground. Yeah, I think the last, I agree with everything
0: you said. I think the last thing I want to say is just like, just because one party has moved to the extreme doesn't mean we need to follow them. Mm -hmm. And that's what it feels like happens, is that we're playing at their level, and that's why we're losing in terms of, I don't know, anyone who believes in human rights and democracy and whatnot (laughs) versus the Republican Party. So, you know, that's – I just think that, like, there needs to be accountability, but I don't really have hopes that we'll get that anytime soon from, like – Anyone. Anyone, including including people that aren't part of the Republican Party, like the media. Fair. So – I don't know, but if anybody of any of you have any thoughts, feel free to text us or email us in our description. Cause I'd actually be curious to see what you think about this conversation we've had today. I agree. We'll be right back. Take us on a tangent, Caleb. My tangent is kind of a random thing that I encountered last week, and that was I um, was talking with my dad, and we were talking about this show on Discovery Channel called Secrets in the Ice, which is pretty interesting. Basically, um, it's a show about, you know, as global warming is uh, getting worse by the day, you know, the ice is melting and whatnot, and they're finding a lot of stuff. They're finding, like, mummified remains from, like, thousands of years ago. They're finding Mm -hmm. different kind of secret top secret plans that happened in world war ii and stuff but or ships or in ships and whatnot that were like lost a long time ago but they were really just frozen in ice and stuff and it's interesting i won't lie like like it's it's interesting to understand the history and and like what the the context and the events surrounding what happened Mm -hmm. and then like the science of like especially with mummified remains you can um, especially like in the ice and stuff, it preserves organs and stuff. So like there's, they found mummies that are like 5,300 years old that they can still see what they ate last because they're so perfectly preserved, which is insane to me. It's but I, cool. yes, uh, my tangent is more focused on like the fact that we have a show like that at all kind of sucks because climate change sucks <laughs> and, and it's going to like, yeah, like there might be some like interesting things we find that melted out of the ice or whatnot. But like one of the things um, I think it was like in the first episode of the first season of the show that they find in the ice is like it up in Siberia, they found this, this monster virus um, that came alive, like almost right away when they, when they tested it yeah. after it was unfrozen, unthawed um or a thought i guess and like that shit is really scary it's like what else is lurking there that might just kill us all (laughs) but i don't know my larger point is like the fact that we have this or we have to be worried about something like that is only because of ourselves and you know hopefully we can get this global warming thing under control soon
1: wouldn't they have drilled down there eventually anyway? Like, wouldn't we have eventually uncovered this, whether we had climate change or not?
0: Well, okay. So so for context, the, the zombie virus, as they called it in the show, they did drill into the Arctic ice to find it. But it's one of those things that's, that's like, okay, so if viruses can just come back alive or bacteria can just come back alive after being frozen for thousands of years, like if we continue on the trajectory we are on, we're probably going to release a lot of shit that we've never experienced before. And that's a really scary thought. Anyways, take us on a tangent.
1: I don't be short for once. Um, probably because we had a whole tangent to start, but um, <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to Jim Harbaugh and the university of Michigan football team. Um, for those of you who don't follow sports, <laughs> Michigan, trampled over Ohio State this weekend. It was a great game, but the reason I really want to give props to this team is going into the season. Every sports pundit said that Michigan was not going to make it to the championship, the big 10 championship. They estimated them to have a losing season this year. They said Jim Harbaugh couldn't recruit a all-star anything And just like went on a tirade about how awful this team was going to be. There's no reason to even watch them. And now this team is walking away with a 10 to one record. They're going to the big 10 championship fingers crossed. Um, And honestly, I'm going to make that argument here. They should have gone undefeated. I stand by the fact that there were some questionable calls that really changed the dynamics of the Michigan state game that yes, it was a very close game and they would have barely squeaked it out i think but i do think that the team had demonstrated in that game that they were capable of beating them they just didn't get the same opportunities that michigan state did but i well, digress well also i think
0: michigan state isn't a bad team either so yes i mean they're no num- they walked away and now they're number two michigan is yes and i don't know have a real shot at winning the national championship this year so let's
1: go yeah, but I just I want to want to take a second because I feel like the narrative is already shifting to like, look at how great this team is. There's an era that's coming and all of these things to neglect the fact that these guys were counted out from day one. There was no anticipation that they were going to be anything. Everyone had already wrote off and said Ohio State's just going to be the dominant force until the Big Ten can figure out how to handle them. Maybe they need to get rid of it, like all of these crazy things. And the team came together. They won. They whooped it. Jim Harbaugh finally demonstrated that he can pull it off. And I do think we are potentially entering a new era that um, Harbaugh has always kind of been focused on. I might hate his run, run, pass, every down play, but he knew to build the type of team he needed, he needed to have a run game. And he had to constantly ingrain that in these guys. And it paid off. So I mean, yeah, Ohio State could not stop the run at all. Holy crap. And now they're going to overfocus on the run come next season, and we have a quarterback who has an amazing arm and will pass and probably beat them that way. So, like, there are a lot of good things coming out of that. Hopefully no Ohio State coach heard me say that because I know 100% that's what's going to happen next year. You can mark my words. Um, (laughs) But I'm just really proud of them, and I, I really think that that moment needs to be understood and lifted up a little bit more.
0: Well, good luck to Michigan in the coming weeks
1: beat iowa please and especially because i'm tired of people thinking that idaho and iowa are the same thing so <laughs> if you don't beat them for any other reason just beat them for that
0: i also get a lot of east coasters that think that idaho is in the midwest
1: yes that's because very... they think it's iowa
0: yeah but but the ones that actually know that idaho is in iowa think that to be in the west you have to be a a, a coast state
1: oh yeah i do get that a lot too which is very like, no. strange to me i We're always still the pacific northwest yeah just don't
0: v- very very weird it's like montana and over is like west yeah i would agree because Mont- half of montana starts to get great plains plainsy and that's plains-y. kind of midwesty westy, yeah, yeah.
1: But also like even Colorado is like stop mixing up Boise and Des Moines like I don't under <laughs> Boise and Des Moines. I don't understand du how bad our education system is that no person can fathom that Idaho exists. Or when you ask them to name all the states that start with an I, they say Iowa and Illinois, but they forget Indiana like mm. Mm.
0: the real the real tragedy, though, in our education system is how the East Coast doesn't have fry sauce.
1: No one needs that. No. <laughs> East Coast stay the way you are. No reason to change. No. Well, I think that's our show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dangerously underscore likely or email us at dangerouslylikely at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening for notifications of our new episodes.
0: Thanks for listening. I'm Caleb. And I'm Terrell. And we're dangerously likely to see you next week.